This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. It's August 3rd, 2020, and you're listening to the Pioneer Agronomy Podcast. Today, we discuss the state of the crop in southeastern Minnesota. I'm Pioneer Sales and Marketing Intern, Hanny Elias. Alongside me today are Pioneer Field Agronomist, Brian Buck and Josh Schaffner. This is episode six of 2020. Welcome back, everybody. Brian, Hannah, we're back on the air. It's August and uh, kind of a little bit hard to believe, but um, you know, I kind of feel like we reached that point where we've done almost all we can do for the crop, except for a little insect scouting on the beans. And now it's kind of up to Mother Nature to kind of take us home from there. Yeah, there's still a lot of year left. Like you said, there's not a lot left we can do outside of scout for aphids, I think, in the soybeans at this point. So uh, as we go, it is always interesting, I think, when we get to this point and then as we track it through this time of year, especially in corn and beans, a lot can change still the next yeah. month. Hmm? Yeah, sure it can. seems that the summer's flown by. We've had it pretty smooth and steady, knock on wood. But um, just for a quick GDU update in Rochester, Minnesota, with the planting date of April 20th, right now we're sitting at about 1,741 GDUs, which is about 119 days uh, above normal or GDUs above normal. So um, still sitting pretty good in terms of where GDUs are coming along. Yeah, so you think of the forecast looking out 14 days, we're going to be over 2,000 GDUs. Um, You start thinking about when we're going to see dense, it's not going to be that far out, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, things are progressing along very quickly. Yeah, and and, um, yeah, I couldn't be happy with how we're progressing. And yeah, that 2,000 is always a big mark. And if we can get there in, you know, the first half of August, it gives us a lot of time. And, uh, you know, we'll discuss some of the progress there as the the show kind of continues on. And, uh, you know, especially when it comes to corn silos, we'll touch on that towards the end of the show as well. Yeah, so kind of getting into, you know, the moisture situation for the season. I know in, like, some of the fields that I've been in, um, we've had some steady rains here and there. But overall, the crop dries out pretty early in the morning. What have you guys been been seeing in your neck of the woods? Yeah, in the extreme southeast, um, it's it's getting dry. You know, we're up here in good hue today. And, um, you know, we caught some rains, uh, not this weekend, the previous one, a little bit um, a week ago today and, and most of that missed all the the southeast corner where we've been on a pretty long stretch of, of things getting dry um any you know sandy spots or, or um, some shallow soil is really starting to show on the beans and and you can see it in the corn a little bit too and uh yeah you know depending on if we don't get a rain here you know in the next um, you know five six days moisture is going to be a kind of a big deal in the southeast corner and uh it could start really taking a toll on what yield's going to end up uh you know here in another six eight ten weeks too yeah, north to south. I mean, in my, when you get up to Dakota County, they've had more total rainfall, a little lighter soil, so they can burn through it a little quicker too. But even here, compared to where you cover in extreme southeast, there's a big difference right now. And it's uh, we were on the edge here, and I think we caught a little bit of rain, and now the temps have been more moderate, which helps a lot, I think, on how much we're using per day. But um, a rain would go a long ways. And, you know, I just think about beans too. August, I think, is when beans are made with, with good rains. And yep. if we don't start getting some of those rains, it's going to be hard to hold top end yield in, in beans. Yeah, and, and just to put a little, um, to try to make this a little easier to, to comprehend, that, uh, um, you know, a lot of the southeast Minnesota were probably, you know, what, 14 to 16, 18 inches of rainfall on the year. You, know, you get down around the center of Fillmore County, around Preston, we haven't even got to 10 yet. And they don't think they got to nine yet, you know, total inches on the growing wow. season. And yeah, that's really starting to, to show up there. You know, they've had some timely rains keeping it going, but, uh, yeah, it'll be something we want to keep an eye on, and um, yeah, not much we can do about it, but you know, we'll see how it all shakes out in the end. Definitely. Got a month to, to wait for that rain to come. Uh, what are you guys seeing for corn rootworm pressure? I feel like uh, there's been a lot of talk about you know, 
larvae feeding on the roots and maybe some beetles that are now emerging from uh, the soil. So. Yeah, big topic. Um, I know there's been a lot of social media. I've, I've had a few tweets about it. I know there's been a lot of, um, seems like a, a common theme of just a lot of beetles. You know, we did see quite a bit of rootworm larvae feeding below ground. Um, you know, not, not surprised and we're seeing that much feeding below ground, but we're seeing a lot of beetles, um, you know, emerge. As I've been walking fields, it, it's, it catches your eye. It's like, wow, there's a lot out here. I, I set traps last week, so I'll have some trap data next episode. Um, you know, some of the traps that were set that we've cycled out a couple times, there's been a, some pretty high counts, but I can't stress enough the importance of the month of August for, you know, any producer that's going to be raising some corn on corn next year to, to really, you know, whether it be out there observing, you know, beetles or, or having someone put some sticky traps up for you, it's going to be really, really critical because for how much feeding we saw this year with the beetle numbers we're seeing next year, it's going to be that much worse and it's going to be i think it's one of the most important things if you're going to raise corn on corn next year this month you've got to get a gauge of uh, what your beetle counts are so you can make a good plan for next year so you talk about high beetle numbers and i think you know we, we've mentioned it before too and i i think it's good to go back and maybe why we've got where why and where we have higher mm -hmm. beetle numbers in general um this last winter was super mild and mm -hmm. you think about western corner orm beetles as they overwinter, they don't handle the cold as well, but if we get a mild winter, they can re reproduce very prolifically and they can grow fast. Um, so I think mild winter this year played into it. The winter before that wasn't that bad. Um, but then the other thing is, I think when you're talking about these really high counts, this is pretty long range corn on corn. It's not, um, you know, a corn mean, corn mean, and then corn, corn. It's, it's something that's probably had corn for multiple, multiple years. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of a slow build to get to that point. Yep. Yeah, and that's kind of what we're seeing. It's usually in some longer in corn situations. There are some fields that maybe only the third, fourth year corn that we're still seeing quite a few, but they are also in a geography that there's a lot of long range corn on corn. And, and that species shift of the westerns increasing. My observations, I'm seeing more westerns. We'll, uh, we'll get some sticky trap you know, data where we'll keep track of, of what the total is. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that, that split has been. The last maybe two, three years, Brian, it's maybe been shifted a little more to northerns. I'll be curious to see if that western population catches mm -hmm. up and uh, just based on the feeding my gut does that yeah the mild winter really let them take off and and um we'll just see where it's at but yeah very important um and there's been a lot of chatter on social media if you've been out there watching that seems to be kind of the big topic of the last three weeks and there's not much you can do for control this year correct or yeah um there's a little bit um in a lot of cases where we were observing some root feeding or seeing beetles if we did fungicide on the corn at, at tassel we we did do a lot of insecticide applications for for adult beetle control uh, i have some traps out in, in fields that we didn't do in fields that we did do it'll be curious to see just how many you know much we maybe reduce the population it's not a cure-all but it is a really nice tool of an ipm program uh, for corn rootworm, you know, as you're just trying to, maybe if you're trying to stretch some longer corn, I think it's a really good practice to um, try to get those fields if you're going to do fungicide each year. Definitely. All right, cool. Um, what do you guys think about soybean management in, in August? Yeah, so we talked a little bit, you know, I think August is always when we really start to see soybeans. Generally, they look, they look good till August 1st, as long as we had enough rain and they went in okay. Mm -hmm. And then from August 1st to Labor Day is when uh, things start to happen, I feel like, in beans. So, from a management standpoint, I think aphids is probably the biggest question we've got. It's something we can still control. Um, in general, we want to scout those aphids really hard through that R5 stage. They About 70% of yield is determined by the end of that R5 stage or is set. Um, so we really want to scout through that stage really well. And if we, they're at threshold, make that application. Even a little later than that, if numbers get really, really high, there can be an opportunity um, to spray. But you really got to start to watch your, your pre-harvest intervals with your insecticides. But 
I think a lot of people when we get to August, they've said, are we done scouting aphids? And it's like, no, I think we got three weeks left um, yep. of really scouting to keep an eye on them. Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh, you know, and the other thing I think with the soybeans, you know, August is such a make or break, you know, the insect pressure can, can come out of nowhere and get you. And then, you know, some pockets that we're, we're missing a rain, the, the beans have flowered up to the top really, really nice. In some cases, the flower clusters on the top of the plants look awesome. And now it's just a matter of, can we, do we have enough moisture to, to keep those going? And, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting couple weeks on the beans here to see if we can really pod them up to the top strong or not. And uh, if we do, I feel great about the soybean crop. But uh, if we abort a lot of the top cluster, that's that's kind of that five to seven bushel that really puts you know puts you in a good spot on the final final yield. Yeah, and you know your area that's a little drier. If you do get aphid pressure, that pressure yeah. gets amplified Big when you time. already have that stress on the plant. They're in there you know little sap suckers taking it out so you really want to make sure we're on top of it if they do hit threshold to go get them um, yep. take care of the problem yep and as we're getting drier too don't forget about the spider mites you know if you see some 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 leaves looking a little bit off especially around maybe along the edge of the field um you want to be looking for those too and uh there's been a few reports of populations increasing and not a surprise when we get dry the the natural control of them kind of the bacteria fungus that controls them naturally kind of kind of falls away as we get dry so just another thing to be watching as we get down the home stretch here and then brian you have a quick hitter for some corn silage yeah the only call with corn silage would be working we're way ahead of schedule yeah. this year compared to last year so uh when you start projecting out we could be three four weeks ahead of where we harvested a lot of the corn silage last year so just be ready you know when when it gets to three-quarter milk line on say september 1st compared to october 1st is a big difference because it's a lot hotter, hotter on September 1st, and mm -hmm. that can move through that moisture cycle pretty quick on hitting okay. that ideal time. So yep. uh, that'd be the big call out there. Just be, be ready because it could happen quick if it stays warm. Yeah, and really keep a close eye on maybe some corn silage acres that didn't get fungicide. You know, mm -hmm. we'll see those acres fungicided. They'll probably hold that moisture. It's maybe only two to three days longer, but just really, really be watching those fields close mm -hmm. and keep a really close eye on, on acres that weren't fungicided. Uh, they'll usually, um, you know, really dry up quick mm -hmm. and, and catch you off guard. All right. Well, you can find our shows on Periscope. You can watch it live or, or replay or on Pioneer Podcasts. Um, subscribe via iTunes. My Twitter handle is farmer underscore hand underscore. I'm at Josh Schaffner. And I am at Farmer Buck One. That's a wrap of episode six of 2020. This show is recorded in Goodhue, Minnesota. It is produced by Josh Schaffner and Brian Buck. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in next time. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.